Greetings. Welcome to the Optic Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Chuck Randolph, Optic's Executive Director of Strategic Intelligence. From 30 years as a military officer to transforming corporate executive protection, event security, and intelligence services teams to function beyond their traditional roles, protection, risk management, intelligence, and threat mitigation have been front and center throughout my career. This podcast series will explore the turbulent world of risk, security, and protection through conversations with leaders and innovators in the field. Now, on to the discussion. Well, it's, I love podcasting, by the way, and I hate it at the same moment. I'm like an extrovert and introvert, but this is a special occasion for me because not only do I get to talk to somebody that I feel is uh, a wealth of knowledge in the risk and intelligence and security space, but also a very good and long friend of mine. Uh, of course, I'm talking about you, Mr. Ken White. Thank you for coming by the Ontic booth at GSX. You're a kind and generous man, Mr. Randall. There's so many stories that I'm not yeah. gonna tell right now. <laughs> and please, you neither. Um, no, absolutely. Look, what can I say about Ken White real quick? Fiscal Risk Intelligence Investigation Senior Manager at Expedia. You've been in sales. You were a Navy Intel person. You were a councilman. And wait for it, Indy Pit Crew. Oh, yeah. I mean, so one of the things I love about you, Ken, is like you have this like wide background of experience that you have now zeroed in on the risk space that kind of, I think, gives you just a very like energetic, different way to look at things. I think all the way back to, you know, how does a guy like you get into security? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, And, uh, you know, I think, you know, you could take this back. I mean, you could take this way back um, from the, you know, from from childhood and just, you know, a shared concern for others, right? Their Uh livelihood, their well-being. Rural farm kid from Nebraska, right? You live a mile from your closest neighbor. You've got to be a little bit self-sufficient. Um, you've got to help your neighbors when mm-hmm. you know when they need help, and vice versa. And that, that's the uh, leads me into the tagline I've used um, uh, through what was called the March to Superior campaign with a large defense contractor, um, which uh, you know really produced some tremendous results. And that's. Uh, you know, no one to ask for help, you know, no one to offer help and no one to accept help. That's awesome. Right. And, and just, you know, you got to swallow your pride sometimes, right? Because yeah. nobody has all the answers. Well, I mean, look, you look, you work at Expedia, you get exposed to a lot of information about people traveling. I mean, you, you know, you're one of those people like I, you know, I don't want to say live and die, but like the news and what's happening and all those things, really the idea of like mon- risk monitoring at scale. I mean, you're hyper focused on that. I mean, how how do you how do you like how do you manage the data flow that comes into Ken on a, on a daily basis to kind of understand what's happening in the world that you need to think about? Well, I think that that's developed over time from working with a lot of experts in the space and uh, and just observing um, uh, how to best triage information as it comes in, and then and then understanding based upon the needs of the business, the command, you know, whatever you happen to be doing at the time. Um, Focusing in on what's really the most important to the business mm-hmm. and then drilling in into that information and understanding how it's going to have a material impact on your overall operations and then working in your risk mitigation 
Um, so how do you how do you then translate um, the idea of like what's important to the C-suite to these requirements? Because really that's what we're talking about. It's like, look, your job is to kind of understand based on public information or what's coming down from hire to say, hey, folks, this is what we need to focus on. So uh, how do you how do you because oftentimes, let's face it, we're in the security world. We can sometimes have a interesting attention span. So how do you keep people focused on what the C-suite needs? Well, and, and I think that depends on your business model too, right? Okay. I mean, so, you know, if, if it's an, you know, I didn't have to worry about protecting an IndyCar executive. I just had to worry about pulling tires over the wall and, yeah. you know, draining the methanol back in the tank and things of that nature. I think that's why I love that job so much because it was simple. Hyper-focused. And- yeah, you. the only thing you worried about was how fast you could get those tires changed and how fast you'd get that car in and out of the pit, right? That was that was a, that was a super fun part of that job. But I think that, that model changes over time too. You know, if you're talking a defense uh, industrial-based executive, yep. for example, and uh, and we happen to be at war, there's military conflict somewhere, uh, we're developing or delivering uh, weapon systems that could have a material impact on a particular nation mm-hmm. uh, that could put those executives in a higher state of risk, uh, then you're going to build that model out a little bit differently than you would, for example, for an executive within a travel company, which is you know, the idea behind it is powering global travel for everyone everywhere. Right. And and getting everyone to understand is like, hey, the better we understand each other, the more we help each other, the more cultural understanding we build um, and the more tolerance we have for one another's differences, uh, the better outcomes we're going to have. And so different, a little bit of a different model and methodology with respect to applying that to a travel company executive versus perhaps a defense industrial-based executive. You know, Ken, it strikes me, and I think specifically about Expedia, I'm not asking for any inside secret sauce or anything like that, but just in terms of a mindset, when when COVID and the pandemic started manifesting to a point that people were like, uh, Houston, we have a problem. How did you think about that in terms of like where you sit in the environment? They're like, hey, we, we enable people to travel. Uh-oh, what do we need? Like, how do we need to think? How do we need to shift? Or was it pretty much, you know, same thing we do every day, just this is the new issue we deal with? Uh, you know, that, I think there was a very thoughtful approach. Um, you know, we had just moved into a relocated in from, from Bellevue, our, right. our, our new new 43-acre facility on the waterfront in Seattle, which is stunning, by the way. And It is. By the way, you're always welcome there. So Thank just you, let sir. me know if you ever want to visit. I'll be there next week. Um, absolutely a lovely place to work. And uh, we had just moved our final wave of employees in from Bellevue uh-huh. uh, and uh, uh, got a tap on the shoulder, pulled into a conference room and said, we're sending everybody home. And, uh, and uh, uh, the, the company worked quickly mm-hmm. uh, to do that. Um, uh, obviously out of the extended concern for the welfare of the employees, which was great, um, but, but then uh, made a lot of swift decisions uh, with respect to the overall operation uh, to conserve cash uh, uh, made some excellent business decisions at the C-suite level, pardon me, to, right. to, uh, to in fact keep the company moving in a positive way and then look to work with our partners uh, within the industry to make sure that um, there's so many unknowns, right? The, yeah. what, what are the right safety protocols? You may remember it's like, uh, do we need temperature sensing devices? Well, it was changing like, for a while. It was changing every minute. Oh, yeah, I mean. absolutely. And so really drilling down into that and getting to understand that we, we tapped into every industry a resource we could from yeah. the healthcare perspective to, to understand 
the implications of what we were facing yep. and then made our plans and, and our models and drove our plans and models around that. But it really was, um, it was fact-based. It was science-based. It was, we, we used every, every tool available to us to make informed decisions and inform around the risk holistically to the entire business operation. Did you see, I mean, it must've been interesting to witness at that time, like the coming together, I don't want to say convergence, that's often overused, but the coming together of all these like HR, legal, physical, cyber, et cetera, et cetera, coming together to say, hey, there's, there's a problem to solve and now we're going to do it. Well, and to keep the workforce viable, right? One right. of the things we noticed initially was, uh, you know, our, our IT team gave us feedback that's like, wow, all of a sudden these productivity tools for a remote workforce became the most important thing right. to keep the workforce productive. And, and they admittedly said, you know, hey, we saw a dip in the first 30 days. But after that first 30 days, everybody embraced the new method of, of working remotely and, uh, and, and, and our productivity actually as a company overall. I mean, that's, uh, a, sta up. that's a statement to, uh, that's a statement to decisions based on data. I mean, Absolutely. You, you, you know, that's something, you know, it's a tagline we hear a lot, you know, you gotta have informed decisions, you gotta have data, you know, data-driven decisions. But now, I mean, that, that really is a testament to that. Like, hey, look, we're getting data every day. I mean, you know, you and I were on, uh, back in the day when all this was happening, you and I were on similar calls together to kind of understand what's happening in the time and space. And you guys were always like on it with what are we doing? What are we hearing? What are we seeing? I mean, well, and I think the industry partner benchmarking, if there was, yeah. You know, if there's a, a collaboration story behind mm -hmm. all of this, it was how nearly every tech company was benchmarking against every other tech company. Tech company. Right. It's, what are you doing? How are you doing it? What are you thinking? You know, how, how are you moving forward on this? You know, what, what policies are you implementing? And sharing all those best practices because, you know, this was almost a survival exercise, right, in reality. Yeah, for, it, no. For not just, you know, humanity in a sense, but for, for business, well, for, it was, for everybody. It was a pause for humanity to say, um... A lot of things we've been talking about are suddenly here, hybrid work, whatever, all the, the ancillary second, third order effects of a lockdown from pandemic. Yeah. And it was, I, I mean, do we say it was an aha moment for humanity to say, we've got to refigure a lot of things? Uh, you know, just in the course of our lifetimes, I think we've had a few oh my resets gosh. that would cause pause. Uh, I think for me, this was probably the biggest one. Um, you yeah, know, I certainly the course of my career and my lifetime. Yeah, certainly hadn't expected it. And, you know, I, although I do, you know, we, we talked about this bird flu, the Spanish flu, but I like to see that manifest in our time. And then since then, it's almost like the one, two, three, four, five, six punch. <laughs> and, you know, the punches keep coming. I think um, my my uh, co-host, Fred Burton, is off. You know, we've often talked about, like, is it more dangerous now than it's been before? You know, his theory is possibly not, but it's unprecedented in our ability to see these threats manifesting. What are your thoughts about that? We're, we're emerging from a yep. pandemic for the first time in my lifetime and your lifetime, yep. right? And and that pandemic emergence is not something, you know, we've ever witnessed before. Well, but we're experience. emerging into a state of war, if you will. We're emerging into um, ancillary effects from January, you know, from the January riots. We're emerging in some unprecedented. So when you're like, hey, great, we're going to emerge from the we're going to we're going to emerge from the pandemic. So that, like we've just been saying, and we were hoping this would be a great time, but th there's no time to stop and have that celebration because all these other things are now happening in the background that we have to deal with. So there's just a new set of priorities on the horizon. Well, you know, hey, 
grew up in the rural Midwest, right? You know, it's back to that, you know, somewhat independent, but always help your neighbor. Yep. You know, we've looked at, you know, if you want to just characterize American society, right? I mean, we've had the Great Depression. We've had the yep. Dust Bowl. Yep. We've had so many impacts uh, on the various generations that shape us differently, right? But I think sometimes for the right reasons, I think they're shaping us to some degree to, to develop that character to be resilient, yeah. to be what's next. We yep. know we can overcome because we've done that before. And I think those are, I mean, that, that's, it's the strength of character. I, I, I think yep. that that's, dare, that's dare, what that's shaping for all dare, of us. To dare I say that. adapt, overcome, improvise. <laughs> exactly. All right. Marines Our all give me, give me, yeah. give me, give me 15. <laughs> um, Ken, you've been both like, I was thinking as again, I mean, there's so many things as I was like putting together my interview uh, questions for you, like, let's say from a pit crew that's, you know, hyper-focused, but also agile because we got to get that car back on. And you've been at a large industrial, uh, military industrial machine, let's say a bureaucracy. You've been in the Navy, also a bureaucracy, and in tech. And, you know, I, I hear the word agility in a lot of what you discuss. What's been your observation on agility throughout your career? Well, um, well, <laughs> like, well, we only got 30 minutes. <laughs> that's a, that's a heck of a question. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, retrospectively, right. Looking back on, on my career, which has spanned about 40 years now, um, it's getting stuff done. There's, there's the system and there's the processes within the system, but Oftentimes it feels like there's about 80% of the people in the system that are just in the system. Mm -hmm. And about 20% of the people in the system are actually making things happen, right? And, and getting those things over the goal line. And, and I think we need to figure out how to increase that ratio of people that are actually operationally executing yeah. <laughs> to, drive the, to drive the business forward, to drive the system forward, to drive the program forward. And, and, and we need to help encourage some of these folks that are, that are like placeholders. I, I had spoken to a, a tremendous man years ago. Uh, um, it's the late Bill Katapish and, and Bill retired as the director of security, I, I believe from the Central Intelligence Agency. And Bill's simple advice was mm -hmm. always, uh, you wanna have a great security program? And it's like, yes, sir. It's like, make friends and help people. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, and I think that that's part of you know, you, you talk about a little bit of the experience. I, yeah. I spoke to some of the folks at, actually at the Ontic conference last year, and, and I think some of them were in a state of disbelief about some of the number of things that, you know, yeah. I've just happened to do in my life. I, I did sideline report for the Indianapolis Colts too oh, yeah. in 1999. I forgot to mention for that, sorry. <laughs> but, but it's, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, right? Yeah. And, uh, and, and I think that, that you know, there's, there's a, a lot of calculated risk taking that needs to take place, mm -hmm. and people really need to think it through. Um, but there's always a go get what's next. And that's a big, that's a big thing at Expedia. Go get what's next. Right? Well, I mean, how, what's your advice? So like, what's your advice? You're very good with people. I mean, I think a lot of that comes from your demeanor, being from the Midwest. I'm from the Midwest myself, but um, not nearly as friendly as you are. Um, <laughs> just ask my wife. But what's your advice to people like, hey, look, how do you take these very complex dis discussions we have to have and go talk to others about it, whether it's a partner whether it's a peer or whether, again, it's it's an executive or a decision maker about 
this is what we're seeing. This is what we need to do. I need you to take action. Yeah, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, right? And 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 not just that, but ask questions and then listen. Yeah, I love that. And and uh, and and I think you you can't undersell the listening aspect of that because everybody comes from a unique space. I think one of the things you know the messages that you know people think differently about it, but you know there's an unconscious bias in each of us, mm-hmm. and it's it's almost as though we really didn't take part in shaping that. It was what our surroundings at the time shaped within us. Right. And, and I think if we're cognizant of what that might be, and it's going to be a little bit different for everybody, um, you know, whether you're a Midwestern farm kid and, and those mm-hmm. were the values you grew up with, whether you were an inner city kid and those are the values you grew up with, right. whether you were wealthy, you weren't wealthy, you speak a different language. Right. Um, understanding that other person's perspective, uh, I think, is absolutely critical uh, to being able to focus because you know your strengths, you know there's a unique set of strengths really in everybody you interact with, but they're different than yours. Yep. And that's a good thing. And I think we've got to embrace what that is. And I think I think people do sometimes have a hard time doing that. And it takes effort. It really does take effort. And sometimes it can be literally exhausting to accomplish yes. that. But if you listen and you act and you follow up, I think you know we really become an unstoppable force. It's interesting. I can't remember the comedian's name, but, you know, recently I I read this quote. It's like, we have to remember we're all having a human experience. Absolutely. And I think it's important now more than ever when you're talking to somebody, realize like that person is having their own experience. I'm having mine. You know, my hallucination may not be theirs and vice versa. But together, maybe we can come up with something that's that's plausible between the two of us to work together. Oh, without a doubt. You know, I spent my colleague uh, Nirvan was over from... uh, from Indy. He lives in Calcutta. He works in Garan. And um, he came over and he was over for a couple of weeks. And uh, I said, uh, Nirvan, I did get top cover for this from my boss, by the way. I said, <laughs> Friday's your last day here. We're playing hooky. I'm going to drive into Seattle. I'm going to pick you up. And That's awesome. uh, we're going to we're going to cover the bases. I'm going to show you everything that I can possibly show you in the span of a day in the Pacific Northwest. And so Nirvana and I, you know, rode the lift up to Snoqualmie Pass. Up to oh, the, oh, yeah. yeah, oh, we, yeah. We went to Drew Brew together, right? We did, of course you did. We did all this stuff. We <laughs> went to Snoqualmie Falls. We, you yep. know, we came over to the house for a while and met yep. my family. Um, you know, we did all that stuff. But when we were standing at the top of the mountain together, it just sounds kind of philosophical. Yep. My, my son, by the way, who's attending Montana State, says that every time he talks to me, he thinks he should get a credit for philosophy. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I took that as a compliment and I said truth. So, uh but I learned so much about Nirvana in that day. Yeah. But it was taking the time to invest in getting to know him. Yeah. And getting to know him better, right? And uh, and and now I've got a tremendous friend, um, you know, 15 yeah. hour time zone away. I always tell him, I said, Nirvana, you should know because you're in the future. Tell me what's gonna happen. <laughs> and <love> uh, <laughs> he's he's just he's become a great friend. And uh, and it's again, but it's making it's making that investment in people getting to know them, getting to know who they are. Found out he served in the army. He was in the Himalayas. Wow. He uh, got I mean, high just, altitude pay for just, serving over there just, and stuff I never knew about. But before. just taking time to learn who your, who your peer is, you know, absolutely. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Who knew, you know, yeah. Sesame street. <laughs> exactly. Um, exactly. Ken, we've been both coming to Azus for a long time. We, you know, we've seen the growth, you know, I think last year was kind of subdued. I mean, what's, I guess one, what's interesting and then what's hopeful for you as you walk around and talk to folks? Uh, that's a wonderful question, Chuck. Um, I love being back out 
as we kind of reemerged from this whole pandemic we went through and seeing people being more comfortable interacting with one another um, because, you know, that, that interaction has been so conservative. Um, walking around here, you know, one is we're in a space that's ever evolving, right? right. And, it, and it needs to evolve. And I would say, you know, it's, it's, it's the micro adaptive steps, you know, we've got to keep we've got to keep pace with everything. And, and, and hopefully we're in a position where we can just continue to micro adapt to the changes that we're presented uh, with and, and uh, continue to improve. Um, you know, for me, it's, it's uh, I don't want to say I'm aging out of the system, um, though I may in fact be aging out of the system. <laughs> Never. Uh, you know, and, uh, I, what Moses wasn't called until he was 80, as they say. <laughs> so I'm hoping that doesn't happen to me. But, but the point is, the point is, uh, um, you know, for me, um, it's seeing younger people in the security profession, the risk profession, the intelligence profession. You know, this isn't just about, you know, and having served in the Navy, this isn't just about protecting and defending America. Um, this is about making the world a safer place, right? a more stable place. Um, and seeing people that, you know, that, that aren't, they're called to this or not necessarily, this isn't a profit thing for them. Right. They, they are in this because they're passionate about that safety, that stability that came from somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, you know, as I, I look back, you know, you know, this, I have four sons, uh, empty nester officially as of last weekend. Um, and, uh, and I've watched them all grow up. You know, my oldest son is serving in the U S Navy. Um, he's, he is, mechanically inclined and oriented. He always has been. Mm -hmm. And and that was his gift. Uh, my, my second son uh, loved flight mm -hmm. and he's flying an F-22 Raptor now. Um, my third son is the most creative of, uh, mm -hmm. of all of them. And he's a studio design major in college. And, and uh, the fourth son, you know, no offense to the other three, probably the smartest of all of them. <laughs> and he's, He's in the school of architecture. Who knew, right? Uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. You know what? And, that's um, awesome. But it's it's that. It's I think we we're all, you know, we've all got something planted in us when we start out, and I think it's it's figuring out what that is a little bit on our own, and 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 with a little bit with the help of others around us, right? Yep. And when I see that really coming out in some of the younger people that are emerging into the space, it makes me feel good knowing that you know at some point I'm going to probably be in that rocking chair. You know, but they they have it. Yeah, and I think sometimes when I think about that, I, I meet some folks and I think, yep, they've got it. And, and it's not just recognizing that right in a sense that yep. you see it. But but when you have the opportunity at the right moment to say, I'm really, really glad to right. see you doing this and engaging in this activity, because I need to know that when I stop that somebody else is here, that's got the passion, that's got that, that will take the time and move yep. forward. Otherwise, What's it for? Exactly. So. And, and there's, you know, there's there's a part of the social fabric, right? I mean, yeah. that really, really, really needs that because yeah, that's absolutely. what keeps our society whole. Absolutely. Ken, how do people, I mean, I know how to find you, but how do people, if they want to see more or, or follow the Ken before he becomes Moses, I guess, how do they find you? <laughs> Uh, Should I uh, give him your phone number? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's BR549. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Call Junior, BR549. <laughs> so, I uh, know, you know, it's, I'm on LinkedIn. You know, I am out there on LinkedIn. I'm out there on Facebook. I, I do embrace some forms of social media. Um, but yeah, I, I'm happy to have people reach out to me. If there's, 
if, if there's an ounce of anything I can provide to somebody that might help them I've, along, I'm I've happy never to do seen it. you turn anybody down for mentoring or that needs advice, and that's one thing that I've always admired about you is Thank your you. your very positive outlook. And face it, we're security folks. I mean, we don't get paid to have a positive outlook, but you seem to have always maintained such a, an amazing demeanor. So, and I'm honored to be your friend. Thank you. So Likewise. We'll just say a quick shout out to those at Bills listening to this. And <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Hope to see everybody soon. Thanks so much for joining, Ken. It's been my pleasure. Absolutely good. Great to see you. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. Learn more at ontic.co forward slash center. Again, ontic.co forward slash center. It was produced by A.J. McKeon. Our music track is called Monteverde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smoke and Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.co or visit ontic.co forward slash center for more information. Thank you for listening.